CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don and I here on Your Money and Your Life, talking investing, finance, and retirement. And we're going to talk IRA rule changes and tax tips on some Roth contributions. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But Don, what's going on, my friend? Spring is sprung, I guess. Yeah, I'll tell you, it looks uh, nice up here now. The weeping willows are starting to bloom and uh, the cherry blossoms are starting to bloom. So nice time of year, right? It's a, We just changed the clocks back recently, uh, or changed them ahead, I should say. Now we have a sunset. It's like close to, I want to say, 7.15, 7.30 here. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, you know, they want to pass. What do they want to do now? The Congress says they want to permanently put uh, daylight savings time in place. Yes. I mean, so. I remember that vaguely many, many years ago. You're probably too young for that, but we did that for a couple of years and it was weird because you know, you're out there waiting for the school, the school bus, bus and, yeah. it, and it doesn't, you know, this, it's dark until like 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So we'll see how that goes, but they got that on the, uh, the docket again. But um, what else is going on? Well, you know, it's, it's spring break for the college kids, as you know, and mm-hmm. uh, we took a little road trip into your neck of the woods, Mark. We went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Yeah, you passed right by me, sort of, on 95. Yeah, yeah. yep, I-95 to, I think it was at Route 40 that goes down there, yep. mm-hmm. um, in, in past uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So my son started college in the fall, Mark, and he got into this thing called this MMA kickboxing. Uh-oh. You ever see this? Yeah, nice. Yeah, he had his first fight at a tournament last Saturday night in Myrtle Beach. So it was, we, we drove wow. down there. A couple, had a tur- had a my wife already. and my daughter, the other kids, the older ones stayed home. But uh, we watched him fight. He lost on a decision. Oh. I thought it was pretty close. Yeah. And, but you never know what your kids are going to get into, Mark. Very it's true. just the strangest thing. Very true. My wife stayed, of course, in the hotel room. She just could not watch <laughs> her baby boy I was get gonna say, hit in the face. Yeah, she didn't want to see her baby get uh, get pummeled on or whatever. But it sounds like he did pretty good. So hopefully, uh, you know, he'll, he enjoys that. Yeah, you never know. Never know what the kids are going to get into. Well, we should probably get into some financial stuff, right? And as I mentioned, we're going to kind of the top what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a break from all the world events and everything we've been discussing the last couple of weeks, Don, and, and get into some of this stuff that might affect just about everybody that listens to our podcast at some point or another. So let's look at this IRS thing again with the rule changes to the inherited IRAs. Now, a couple of weeks ago, they released uh, proposed rule changes to the SECURE Act the information that was done back in 2019. So let's talk about the changes to the 10-year rule and what that means for IRA owners. Yeah, okay. This is uh, something that just is hot off the press, Mark. Right. right. It's only a few weeks old. So before we get into this so-called 10-year rule change, mm-hmm. you know, first let's have a little refresher on this Secure Act. And we always joke about how Congress oh, names yeah. these laws that often end up being the keep, opposite of the name. Right. And I keep saying I want that job. I want to call myself the czar of acronyms, right? You know. So, yeah, exactly. But, Setting uh, every community up for retirement to act. Enhancement. Secure. Yeah. Enhancement, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. There is a, and there's little in the law, of course, that, that makes the IRA more secure, but there's certainly <laughs> a lot of changes in there right. that seem to make the uh, the income for the government more secure. So uh, the big picture is that, uh, of course, your IRA is the savings account that has not yet been taxed. Right. They call it tax deferred. And there's really two competing interests at work here. Uh, one, you know, it's you want the money, 
for income to enjoy your life and eventually leave the money to the family, right? Minimize taxes that you pay on the money over time. And of course, the other competing interest is the IRS wants the money in the form of taxes to fund the government. And they don't want to wait around for the money, right? There's a a $30 trillion debt and growing. So they want money sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, they they're standing there with their hands out, right? So <laughs> I know that that one main uh, of the one of the main changes to the law from 2019 is the change uh, of the age of the first required minimum distribution, right? We've talked about that many times. They moved it from that 70 and a half up to 72, and that was a good change because the half thing was just confusing anyway. Uh, but the area where the change was not so good, Don, was the change to those who inherit that IRA, typically, eventually the kids of the owner. So basically our kids, right? So that, has that changed again? Once again, exactly, Mark. That's what they're fiddling around with. So uh, the, the change from the law back in 2019 divided up the beneficiary into several of these classes. Uh, most heirs who, who inherit, as you mentioned, are, are children of the adult owner eventually, and they're considered to be what they call non-eligible designated beneficiaries. It's a yeah, real okay. mouthful, right? Mm-hmm. The non-eligible term just means that the heir is not eligible to take the money in the IRA out little by little based on their own life expectancy, like the original owner was able to do. So think about it this way. Let's say you hit age 72 and your IRS life expectancy is 25 years or so. Okay. So you take out about 4% of whatever the value was on the prior year, the first year, and you pay your taxes on that amount of money. You take out a little bit more as your life expectancy gets shorter, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you leave that money in the IRA to your son who's 50 years old, okay. and he might have a 37-year life expectancy and would also have to take out little by little uh, each year and pay a little bit of taxes each year, right. year by year. Now, with the changes in the law in 2019, Uh, The original reading of this law was that the heir, in that case, uh, the 50-year-old son, Mm -hmm. needed to empty out the IRA and pay all of the taxes by year 10 with no required distribution at all for that person from year one to nine. So it opened up some planning opportunities, but also the potential for some really big tax issues. Okay, so they could take it out little by little over the 10 years or all at one time, but it had to be drained by the 10 years, right? Correct. Okay. So the tax issue, obviously not so good. So all of the taxes would be due on that money, again, by the total end of year 10. That's right. Okay. But as they say in those infomercials late at night, wait, Mark, there's more. That's right. <laughs> now, with these proposed regulation changes last month, mm-hmm. uh, the same heir may not only need to empty the account by the end of your 10, they may also need to take out a required distribution in years one through nine based on their life expectancy and pay taxes on those distributions in year one through nine. If they make a mistake or miss a distribution, there's a 50% penalty, 5 mm-hmm. plus the entire account needs to be taxed and emptied out, as we said uh, before, by the end of year 10. So they're basically doing RMDs for the person who inherits your IRA, right? The required minimum distribution. You got to take it out a little bit each year and you got to pay the taxes on it. 
Well, that's why I say may or may not, Marcus. Okay, because it gets really confusing, right? So, yeah, and when you did say that may, so I'm curious, what is the what is the may not? <laughs> okay, here's here's the may and the may not. Right. Based on the new rule change, and mm-hmm. you're right, Mark, this gets like maddening <laughs> the confusion here. Uh, they may or may not all hinges on when the original owner died, what age he, he or she was. Oh, boy, okay. So the question was, was it before or after the required beginning date, which is age 72? Mm-hmm. If it was before age 72, there's one rule for the heir. If it's after <laughs> age 72, there's another rule of for course. the heir. If the original uh, IRA owner was under 72 when he or she died, left the money to, say, his healthy adult daughter, uh, she would not need to touch that money until the end of the 10th year, right? That was the original interpretation from 2019. Okay. If the original IRA owner died after age 72, the daughter would need to take out a required distribution in years one through nine, pay the taxes each year, and empty the IRA in total and pay all the remaining taxes by the end of year 10. Oh, man. Can I make this more complicated? Can we add any more stuff to this? Uh, they, they love to do this. So we talked about beneficiary issues, Don, on a prior show. And I remember that there are the designated beneficiaries and, of course, the non-designated beneficiaries. Those DBs, we'll call them, were people and trusts. And non-DBs were states, charities, and trusts. So DBs were allowed to stretch the IRA over their lives and non-DBs were not. They need to take that money out by year 10. So in your case, the healthy adult daughter would be considered a non-eligible designated beneficiary, correct? Yeah, you've got that right. That was actually very good, Mark. I mean, you. You, made, you made It's very complicated, and, and that all those eligibility rules goes back to the, the law that was changed in um, 2019. Right. So they added this curveball in 2019, where they divided the designated beneficiaries into this eligible designated beneficiary category and this non-eligible designated beneficiary category, which of course means that this eligible term means that the person may or may not be able to stretch the payments in the IRA over their lifetime. Right, so if they're non-eligible designated beneficiaries, they have to follow this new ten-year rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and those heirs who are considered to be "quote unquote" eligible to take the money over their lifetime, they commonly include the spouse. Right, so if you leave your IRA to your spouse, he's not required to empty up the account after ten years. Or a disabled person, if you leave money to a a disabled child, they're considered to be eligible. Uh, minor children are as well. And and oddly enough, Mark, this is weird, people not more than 10 years younger than the IRA owner. So if I mm-hmm. left my money, uh, my IRA to my sister, in my case, she happens to be three years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So she's considered to be an eligible designated beneficiary. So she could stretch out those payments over her life expectancy. Unlike my daughter, who's, you know, only 25 years old. Okay. So you can leave it to your spouse and they can still stretch that. It's not, they don't have to do the 10 years. You could leave it to your disabled child and they don't have to do the 10 years. You could leave it to your sister who's 
and within this 10 year range of you, yep. but you can't leave it to your kids without they have to do the uh, within the 10 years. So they yes. make, it's super complicated. Donna sounds like they're also kind of punishing generational wealth or another tool that helped create generational wealth. And that's why obviously we need to turn to professionals like yourself because it gets really wonky in here. So anything else that we should share or mention about this rule change? Yeah, I mean, there was there's uh, some clarification on the definition of a minor child. That was like that one other point I mentioned. Mm-hmm. In some states, it's 18. In some states, it's 21. Okay. It depends right. on where you are. Now, based on this regulation uh, change, a minor child is considered to be an eligible beneficiary until his or her 21st birthday. So it's 21. Mm. Okay. And there's more clarity on the rules leaving uh, IRA money to a trust. And we can get into those when we have personal consultations. It gets very complex with trusts. Uh, now, keep in mind these are only these are currently proposed regulations. It's another nuance here. There's a public comment period until June, um, and sometimes it takes months. And believe it or not, Mark, sometimes it's years until there are final regulations released. So we can write into the IRS to state that we want the to keep the rule changes as simple and as tax-friendly as possible for all the heirs. Why wouldn't we do that, right? I mean, so yeah, why not? Let's put up a link on the show notes there so to the government site where people can write in so, so some comments on that uh, because it definitely, I mean, simple is better, right? It just seems like the more complicated this gets, the, the more convoluted everything gets. And, of course, it's tax season, and many people are already kind of thoroughly entrenched in this right now. Don, this is our... Uh, late March episodes here. They're doing the uh, the 2021 tax returns. And you mentioned a tax tip as well. I kicked that off at the top of the show related to the Roth IRAs when we were speaking earlier. So can you elaborate there? Yeah. Um, the, the Roth IRA, by the way, we talked about this before many times. It's such a great way to save money mm-hmm. for yourself and your family, really at any age, whether you're very young or you know, even as you're approaching retirement, because the money grows tax-free and you can take the money out tax-free, and there's no required minimum distribution when you turn age 72. So you can really get the best of all worlds. And get this, Mark, there's no 10-year rule confusion when you leave the Roth IRA to the family. So this is amazing. The IRS actually states this, Mark, all Roth IRA owners who die are deemed to have died before the age of 72. (laughs) (laughs) So the heirs don't have to have a required distribution uh, from years one through nine. So for the purposes of your Roth IRA, you are forever young, under age 72. Okay, I'm just kind of stunned at this moment. I'm not sure what exactly exactly to say. Uh, You know, Don, so if... Doing a Roth, and I'm sure we're going to get more into this, it seems like it's obviously a little bit easier in the long run as well. Now, granted, if we do conversions and things, we have to go ahead and pay the taxes now. So I guess the government still either way is trying to say, hey, we want the money in one, you know, some shape or form, and we want it as soon as possible. So uh, whether they're reducing the number of years you can stretch it out or, or just getting you to convert or whatever. So what about the tax planning, I guess, tips for taxes on 2021? Yeah, I mean, regarding that, just to step back for a moment, sure. you're right about the Roth. They want the money uh, as soon as possible, right? Because if you convert, you got to give it to them, right? You got to give it to them. And if you now do you're this pay- thing here, you're you talking keep- about. Yep. And keep in mind that as you're converting, you're, you're paying the taxes right. and it's done. You're done with the taxes. And the advantage to that is we're paying taxes 
at the historically lowest rates, okay? And the, the taxes have to get paid one way or another. It's not like you can ever avoid paying taxes right. on the IRA. Right. The only question is, when will you pay the taxes? And why not pay them, and I call it, the taxes are on sale, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So it's a lower rate. Pay them uh, sooner rather than later at the lowest rate, and the money grows tax-free, and you're forever young. <laughs> I like that part, too. So getting back to the tax planning okay. now. Okay, so the Roth contribution rule, it's a bit easier than the, than the traditional IRA rules in terms of writing a check into your IRA. So the, here's the rule for the Roth IRA. If your 2021 income is $198,000 or less, if you're married, or $125,000 if you're single, you can contribute money to your Roth IRA. And the income limits are far less for the traditional IRA. So if your income is over that amount, the deduction is phased out until you hit $208,000 or $140,000. So they give you a higher income limit to allow you to put money into the Roth IRA as opposed to the traditional IRA. Got that so far? I got you. Okay. Okay. So the most you can add if you're over age 50 is $7,000 per year per person. 6000 if you're under age 50. Right. And of course, you need to have earned income from some type of work to contribute. If only, Even if only one spouse is working, both can contribute. That's another rule that most people, that many people, I should say, don't know. Yeah. That seems pretty straightforward. Although it still always cracks me up, though, when you see something like that married limit being 198. It's like, why not just make it an even 200? So it's just easier yeah. on the numbers, but whatever. Uh, so it seems pretty straightforward. If your income is under those numbers, you get to add money to the tax-free Roth IRA. So is there a catch? Mark, there's always a catch. <laughs> <laughs> I call it, in this case, it's a wrinkle, All not right. so much a catch. But in this case, it's a good one okay. that I think a lot of people may miss. So here's the, the wrinkle. Even if your uh, adjusted gross income is over $198,000, mm -hmm. you still may be able to contribute money into the Roth IRA. That's because the IRS goes by something called modified adjusted gross income to determine the $198,000 limit. Okay. I think I remember that from the IRMA, right? That's uh, the medical surcharge, uh, I-R-M-A-A thing, the penalty. So is there um, uh, an M-A-G-I for the Roth as well? Yep, you got it. But it's a, a different M-A-G-I, I call it Maggie, mm -hmm. right? Instead of A-G-I, which people refer to sometimes as Aggie. Okay. Uh, and of course, the Medicare surcharge is Irma. So there's a lot of uh, female acronyms here. Yeah. But I'll give you an example. Okay. Let's say you have income from work, maybe Social Security, pension, uh, investments, dividends, interest income, or IRA distributions of, let's call it $180,000 and you're married. Okay. And you decide to do a Roth conversion of $50,000. So that $50,000 is added to your income to give you an adjusted gross income of $230,000 and seemingly put you over the $198,000 limit. Okay, straightforward. Right? Mm -hmm. But since the hurdle is the modified adjusted gross income, not the adjusted gross income, the, the income is modified downward 
by the Roth IRA conversion of $50,000. And the modified adjusted gross income is only the 180,000. That's the amount before the Roth conversion, thus making you eligible for the Roth contribution of either 7,000 or $14,000. So now not only are you putting $50,000 into the Roth for 2021, you add $14,000 more for the 2021 tax year for a total of $64,000. So it's just another way of to get more money into a tax-free IRA. So not only do you get to put $50,000 into the Roth for tax year 2021, you just added another $14,000 more for the 2021 tax year for a total of $64,000. It's just another way, Mark, to get more money into the tax-free IRA and stay forever young. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. I like the forever young bit. And of course, folks, as always, you know, make sure that you're checking with your tax advisor, consult with a tax advisor before you take any action. And this is definitely educational information and should not be considered to be personal advice without sitting down with a professional like Don. And as always, if you've got some questions and you want to come in for that consultation and chat, reach out to him. Stop by uh, the website, donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. Get started with a strategy session. Uh, you can do that 15-minute complimentary chat with Don. You can call him at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. Again, or stop by donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. He is a CPA and a CFP. Uh, so definitely, again, chat with him on some of these things. But Don, there's some good stuff in there. There's some confusing stuff in there, which is, you know, again, why we need professionals like yourself. Yeah, it's certainly confusing, but you know what we try to do here is just move from confusion to clarity and be able to take action that benefits uh, you and your family. I hope so. That's the uh, purpose of the podcast. So again, reach out to us. Reach out to Don, I should say, at donaldcash.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Your Money and Your Life, on whatever platform you like to use. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher. Not to add to the confusion, but I'll give you one more website, which is Don's podcasting website. That's where you can find the show. It'll teach you how to subscribe to it, which is really, really easy to do. So just go to doncashpodcast.com. That's doncashpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can download an episode, something like this one where there's a lot of information. You can go back and listen to it again. You can catch up on past episodes. So lots of good content out there from Don. Just reach out to him at the websites and you are all good to go. Don, thanks for hanging out with me this week. I appreciate you shining some light on this, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk more again. Very good. We'll see you next time, my friend, right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.